Uh, Thursday night, I went to the circus. Literally, went to the circus. My, uh, my, <laughs> my, my daughter uh, came back from Florida State for spring break for a couple days. My son is here, and so Eleanor and uh, myself and my two kids who are in town, uh, we went to the circus. It was, a, it was like a throwback Thursday. We, just, we used to do that when they were younger, uh, but even in their 20s, we thought, you know what, it'll be fun. And it was. It was a blast. It's over there by Winthrop in uh, Riverview. Maybe you've driven by the tent as you've gone down. What is that? Bloomingdale? I don't even know what that is. Is that Bloomingdale? Sure. And, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, I was a little, I was a little uh, suspect when we got started. I, was, I, I told Eleanor, if this is a great time, it'll be your idea. And if it was a, you know, a, a lousy time, it'll be my idea. I just decided to take the fall. But, uh, uh, but it was a great idea, so it was Eleanor's idea. And uh, uh, we had a blast. Uh, no animals, so no elephants or tigers or bears, oh my. Uh, but uh, uh, a, a big pole came out in one of the acts. It was mostly acrobats and, and people hanging from trapezes and clowns. The clown was hilarious. Uh, but this, this one couple from Cuba, I don't remember their last names, but they are apparently uh, husband and wife, and they came out and they basically worked out in front of us for about five minutes, right? Have you ever seen the acrobats? They just do these incredible feats of strength that you're just sitting there as a normal human being going like, how, how does their body do that? That's not possible. That, mine doesn't do that. Mine has never done that. Mine, mine can't and won't do that, right? And uh, so they got up on this pole and they did a couple, you know, uh, you know, twisty, twirly things. But then they started doing stuff where they absolutely needed each other and the, and the, and the, uh, the tension and the leverage of each other's bodies to even stay on the pole, to even stay aloft. or like 15 feet above the stage on this pole. Kind of, and I don't know how to picture this to you, or, or, you know, but can you, can you see two people? And they're basically got, they're wrapping their legs around each other and stuff like this, hanging off this pole. And then they kind of do the ta-da moment, like where everybody's supposed to clap, right? And so they just be leaning their legs into each other and, and hanging off this pole. And, ah, right? Everybody would clap and scream and please don't fall and all those things. Uh, but I remember thinking, man, as we walked out, what a blast. Circuses are cheap fun. Maybe not cheap. But anyway, uh, uh, but it's fun. And, and, and what an amazing uh, feat of strength and, and choreography and working together. And what a beautiful picture of what it is for these two married people, apparently, uh, to be you know, on this uh, you know, high-rise thing, functioning in the way that they were. It's a beautiful picture of how marriage is supposed to work. When everybody does what they're supposed to do, when both people are, are, are living as they're meant to live, marriage flourishes. They feed off of each other. They lean into each other. They, they gain leverage from each other to be able to hang in there in life. Paul says as much as, as we've been studying uh, here in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. He's, he's talked a lot about um, submission, about losing. We read uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 21, uh, that uh, as, as a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, as, as, as being filled by the Holy Spirit, you will be someone, if you are filled by the Holy Spirit, who submits to one another or submits to other people out of reverence for Christ. So because you love Jesus so much and because you want to honor him so much with your life, because you're so wrapped up in being who Christ has called you to be, um, the Holy Spirit will indwell you and the Holy Spirit will lead you in life to situations where you can say to someone else, after you. I put you first. I submit myself and my will and my desires to your betterment and to your flourishing. That's what submit means there. It's the Greek word hupotasso. Everybody say hupotasso. And it's, in its literal sense, it means to place yourself under someone else. 
But it's, uh, I was thinking about it this week, and, and, and sometimes that can feel negative. No one wants to be put under someone else, right? No one wants to be the, uh, the, the stepping or the, the, the rung in the ladder that someone steps on to get higher than you. That feels like I'm losing, right? Even though that's a godly thing and a right thing. So just for our own minds, let's, 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 instead of seeing this as just simply putting ourselves under someone else, let's see this as us putting ourselves in a position to lift someone else up. I like that better. Thursday night was a circus. Friday night, I went to see Switchfoot. Uh, they're a band from the 90s that sang, uh, we were meant to live for so much more. Anybody know that song? Anyway, I'm not going to sing the whole thing. Uh, but that was their big hit, and, uh, and Eleanor and I, we loved them, uh, the Christian band, and, uh, and so uh, my buddy Tobin and I went to go see uh, Switchfoot and had a blast, and one of my favorite parts, they did all these kind of cool things. If you've ever been to a concert, the cool parts are when they're not on the stage, they come down off the stage, they sing in the crowd, they did this whole little acoustic set where they were standing right by the, uh, we were over there at some club in Ebor, but they were standing right by the soundboard, and I mean, it's just intimate and cool, you feel like, you know, you're at... They're, they're, you're in their living room, and you're hanging out singing their songs with them. Well, it was time for that set to be done, uh, and, and so all the other bandmates went up to the stage, got behind their instruments, started playing from up there, and the, the lead singer stayed in the crowd. And the lead singer could have followed the rest of his bandmates, just kind of walked up on the stage and got up there, but that's not rock and roll. That's not how you get back on a stage if you're out in the crowd. This is rock and roll. You surf the hands of those that have come to applaud you, Right? And so he just had a couple people as he was back, you know, halfway back in the, in the room, he said, hey, you guys, pick me up. And they just started, and this dude is singing the next song on the hands of those who came to watch him. Has anybody seen this happen? It's called crowd surfing. It's not, it's not bad. It's a good thing. And they're holding him up as, as they traject him towards, not throwing, but they're, they're moving him towards uh, the front of the stage. And then he finally gets his feet to the edge of the stage, and then the last people in the front row it's just like rock and roll instinct. You know, we got to pop this guy back up there. So the guys who are holding his back and his butt just go, bam And this guy goes, we were meant to live for so much more. Right? Just does the whole thing, right? <laughs> it was awesome. And it was hupotasso. It was people putting themselves beneath someone else so that they could move forward and get the shine. No wonder then that Paul would bridge from his demand for mutual self-fueled submission in all relationships in the church to his understanding of a wife's role in marriage in the next verse where he says this, studied it last week, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He could have written in the same words of the previous verse, wives uh, submit to your own husbands out of reverence for Christ, because that's what as to the Lord means. It's, you're not saying to your husband, you're the Lord. You're saying, I will submit to you. I will hupotasso, come beneath you and, and, and seek to serve you and push you forward out of my reverence for Christ, out of my worship of our God. Husbands uh, would like to probably stop reading here. Good, do that, woman. <laughs> submit to me, that sounds great. Let's close the Bible right now. But they'd miss out on their part, which we studied a little bit last week, and we'll study more tonight, or today. Is it today? Yeah. In verse 25, Paul talks to the husbands, and he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what? And gave himself up for her. Hupotasso by another Greek word. Put yourself beneath your wife. Seek to serve your wife. As you lead your wife, lead as a servant. 
pushing your wife forward so that she can flourish in the life that God has given her. See, the wife submits as to the Lord, and the husband loves and gives himself up just like the Lord. The husband is the head who leads by serving. The wife is the body who follows by serving. When everybody does what they're supposed to do, marriage works. When a husband leads well as a servant, a wife's submission is easy. When a, a wife submits well uh, as she follows and, and serves her husband, uh, a husband leads in more effective ways. When both do their part, marriage works. We talked about this in terms of a couch last week. I'm going to invite my beautiful bride, Eleanor, to join me this week as uh, we talk about marriage. Everybody, this is Eleanor. <laughs> Remember we talked about you know, marriage being kind of like a piece of furniture that you have to move in your house? Sometimes it's too big uh, for one person, and certainly marriage is way too big for one person to handle on their own, so sometimes you've got to get your, your spouse together, and you've got to say, okay, let's lose your legs. Uh, let's move this thing, All right? And, and move it a little bit? Are you going to fall off the stage? Maybe. Okay. Better? All right, so we moved our marriage forward. Yay, Saunders, right? Put it down. And that's how marriage is supposed to work. 20, 30, 40, 50 years, as long as God gives you, Go together. She does her part, I do my part, this works well. But here's what a lot of marriages do. Marriages go for a while, and people say, you know what, I'm kind of tired of doing my part. How about you? I know you're tired of doing your part, right? (laughs) I know, it's just for the example, babe, it's just for the example. (laughs) And so couples sit down, couples sit down, and and, and this happens with us at times, because we get tired, or we get irritable, or we get selfish, or we get... And we just say, you know what, I don't feel like doing my part. And we fight, right? Playing too, thank you for bringing that up. She said, playing too much golf lately. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> but uh, a couple sit down on their marriages all the time. And that's when they end up in my office or in our counseling center. And they come in, and what do they do? They come in saying, you know what, I've sat down on my marriage. It's all my fault. I know where I'm wrong. I, I really, is that what they do? I'm so glad we came in today because both of us just want to confess our sin and our marriage, and, and we just need you to pray with us so that we can start you know, carrying this thing where it's supposed to go. No, people come in, and they sit down next to me or sit next to, next to a counselor, and they say, she didn't, you know, and, and, and she says he isn't and he doesn't, and they point fingers at each other, neither one of them taking responsibility for that fact that they both sat down. Are you with me? Okay, so, so <clears throat> uh, I sit with couples, and counselors sit with couples, and we talk, and then... By the grace of God, one of them, not always the wife, but almost always, fellas, I'm sorry to report, we're usually the hard heads that come last, but a lot of times the wife will say, okay, I'll start doing my part. Can do it. And so she, she gets up and she starts to decide to move the marriage forward, and the guy just goes, oh, great, awesome, well, you go ahead and... <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, you should really work on our marriage, this is great. <laughs> Can you give it up for Eleanor? She did a great job, thanks, <laughs> But this is outside of God's design. It should never be that both of us take the day off in our design for our lives as husbands and wives. It should never be that one of us holds up the marriage as the other one abdicates um, their responsibilities in what God has given us. No, it should be that you and I 
live all of life according to God's design. So let me kind of peel back the curtain here on church, okay? If you show up here on a weekly basis, and I'm so grateful that so many of you do, thank you for coming. Here's what's happening on a Sunday when we hang out. We're just trying to discern from God's word what he wants. We're trying to sort out what his best for us is. And so in our various capacities as a man or a woman or as a husband or a wife or as a father or as a mother or as a worker or a boss or whatever, we're just trying to hear from God what's best. And then our mission upon hearing those things is to submit to our God and say, okay, work in me, work through me, train me, mold me, shape me, and make me into what is best so that you get the glory that you deserve and so that I receive from you the very best in this life that you've designed for me to live. And the folly that the Proverbs speaks so prevalently about is when you and I decide, you know what, I got a better way. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to function outside of God's design for me and believe in all my heart that my life will still be as good as he wants it. I'm here to tell you, this week and every week, that's not true. And I'm here to say to you, especially you husbands today, as we talk about you, God has a design for how you live with your wife, how you love your wife. And your best marriage awaits you if you will submit to that design and honor God by obeying him and what he's called you to do. So if you're a husband in the room, would you put your hand up? What's up, fellas? Okay, you can put them down. Okay, here's, here's my prayer for you guys. I'll pray it at the end, too. But my prayer for you is that you'll be all God, that what, all that God wants you to be is a husband to your wife. If you're not yet married as a dude, but you'd like to be married someday, could you put your hand up? Silas, you don't want to get married someday? All right, don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, put your hands down. Okay, everybody who's waiting marriage, here's the deal. You get to start preparing now to do this right. So don't check out on this message because you're like, I ain't got no wife. If this is your future, get ready and know how to do this right when your time comes. Wives are like, man, I love this week. This is great. Hey, wives, would you put your hands up if you're a wife? Okay, you can put them down. Okay, we talked about you last week. And your part as, as, as a partner in a relationship, as, a, as the other end of the couch, is to honor God by loving, submitting, respecting, and serving your husband. And I pray that God gives you the grace to be able to accomplish that. Even today, don't sharpen your elbows and get ready to hit them over every you know, little thing I'm going to say. Yeah, that's right. I was hoping he'd get to that. Bam, yeah, that's a good one. No, you just do your part. Let God lead him in doing his, and God will bring his best. If you're a lady in here and you, you desire someday to be a, a wife to someone, can you raise your hand just real quick? It's okay. Okay, thank you. You can put them down. You pay attention to the things that God has to teach us through Paul and the Ephesians because it's in these things that you can be prepared to be the wife God wants you to be. All right, let's talk about husbands then. How are husbands to love their wives? Three things this morning, I'll try to do them fast. Here they come. Husbands are to love with sanctified, uh, it should be sacrificial love. Don't skip ahead. I know you want me to finish, but do sacrificial love first. All right. 
Husbands are to love their wives with sacrificial love. We just read the verse. Let's read it again. Husbands, especially the fellas or future husbands, read this with me. And read like men. The first service, it was so wimpy. Seriously. Don't embarrass our gender, guys. Bring it. Are you with me? Read it like you mean it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Jesus give himself up for the church? Well, most obviously in Scripture, Jesus gave himself up by dying for the church. There is no church except that Christ gives himself as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Who's familiar with that story? Anybody familiar with that one? Now, uh, I'm grateful as a husband that that has not been required of me yet. I want to believe I would be willing to die for my wife physically to end things for her sake. But if you're sitting here this morning as a husband and I as a husband preaching this thing, that hasn't been asked of us yet. Is everybody grateful for that, fellas? So if it's not a literal physical death that we're meant to emulate Christ in, what is it then that Paul means when he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Well, I think the obvious answer is that we deny ourselves and our wants and our desires, where appropriate, where necessary, for the sake of our bride, always, period. We seek to set aside our selfishness so that our wives can become all God that God desires them to be and they can flourish in our love. See, I, I, I equate this to being uh, basically me giving up my way for her way. We've heard of my way or the highway. It's not my way or the highway. It's uh, not my way, so it can be her way. <laughs> that means uh, uh, seating control of the remote and watching say yes to the dress for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> I can only take it for a little while, I'll be honest with you. There's only so many times that I can watch a girl stress out over which dress before I have to leave. I have to physically leave and go do something else. But I will try to sit in there as long as I can and watch that sucker because I, uh, I love to sit next to my wife in our, in our Oakland, our, our love seat, and, and hang out with her. Um, I'm learning this 27 years into marriage more and more because here's what I figured out. Who's heard happy wife, happy life? Okay, that's true in, in some forms, but, but I, I don't think it goes far enough. Um, I would submit to you that, that Christ's design, that God's design for marriage is humble husband happy wife, happy life. The husband's humility uh, will produce uh, the, the wife's flourishing and will lead to a marriage experiencing what it's meant to experience. And so if you can deny yourselves, fellas, truly denying yourselves, not fake denying yourselves, because here's what happens a lot of times. Guys uh, do for their wives either to, to make up a deficit or to create a deposit. Okay, so... so Fellas, don't, don't wait to be loving and kind and sacrificial to your wife because you're, you're behind the eight ball, forgot your anniversary, was a jerk, you know, that morning, and so here come the roses that night, okay? If you're simply trying to honor your wife so that you can bring things back to level, you, you haven't understood what sacrificial love is all about. That's selfish love. I just don't want to have to put up with her not, you know, being happy, and so I will do what I need to do since I've made her unhappy to bring her back to zero, the other side, it's not just deficit uh, conditional love, but it's deposit conditional love. It says, hey, I'm going to be really nice to my wife because I know in two weeks I'm going to ask her if I can go on the golf trip, and I need to start you know, you know, banking some points on this thing so that when I do bring that up, 
I get the yes, I get the, uh, the okay, the happiness, you know. And listen, am, am I saying that uh, it's wrong for you to do good things for your wife, even for the wrong motives? Yes. <laughs> I am. It's not best. All kinds of marriages have that, you know, back and forth, you know, uh, I'll do for you so that you'll do for me thing, and it's an incomplete, diminished marriage that settles for that. I want to get to the point in my relationship with my wife where I'm doing for her, not for what I receive, but for what God is honored in and for what she receives as a result of my love for her. That's where I want to be. I'm not perfect in that. And I'll succumb to the human earthly form of marriage all the time to get from my marriage what I want uh, either as a deficit or a deposit. But that's not, <laughs> that's not Christ-likeness. Christ never did for his church for what he could receive from us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't require us. We sing this song in church, you didn't want heaven without me. Yeah, that's true, but he didn't need us. Right? He chose us. He loves us. He did all that he did out of love, not so that he could receive. And so I've tried to learn that, not perfectly, but but there have been significant moments in my marriage where that became a reality in our, our marriage and it changed how we kind of did things. When we first moved here, it was 15 years ago and about two years into our time here in Brandon, um, I started changing my thinking on, on hanging out with my wife. I, one of the ways that Eleanor and I would um, conflict sometimes is that we're very different people and we like to do different things with our leisure time. I like movies and sports, she doesn't. Uh, she likes uh, thrift stores and garage sales and taking the long way to get there. I don't. And so typically what would happen is kind of that, that, that diminished kind of love that I would, you know, describe to you earlier that, you know, I would do this so that, you know, I would either make up for something I'd done or, or bank some points for something I can do later, right? And I, don't, I can't speak for her, but maybe she did that at times as well. And so we, we functioned. We were happy. But here's what happened one day. We woke up one day, and I can't tell you that there was a bright shining light or that some, you know, plane was, you know... <laughs> doing, uh, you know, letters in the sky that said humble. But, uh, but I, just, I just sensed in God's spirit and say to my wife, hey, you know what, uh, after we're done breakfast, which was always what we'd do on a Friday morning, the kids were being watched by the government. Thank you, Hillsborough Public Schools. Um, but uh, uh, I said, okay, on, on this date day, I'm going to do whatever you want. And, and I remember saying to her, we'll, we'll, we'll go the long way to get to wherever you want. I'll go to every junk shop between Brandon and Sarasota if you want. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to try to find things that I like, and I'm going to just... Try to have a good time. And I don't know if this is an indelible impression on Eleanor, but it was for me because this was initially a very hard thing to actually get in the car and to go down 41 instead of 75. Who goes down 41 to get to Sarasota? <laughs> and to stop whenever she would say, oh, I've always wanted to go in there. And to pull the car over and actually walk into a shop and be like, you have got to be kidding me. But you know what? I found myself experiencing joy as I watched my wife smile from junk shop to junk shop and thrift store to thrift store. <laughs> and I remember at the end of the, of the morning, things were kind of closing down. We had to get back for the kids to get back from school. Uh, we were in our last junk shop near Sarasota, 
And I was in there, and, and I was actually kind of getting in a rhythm. I, I, I knew that they would have, uh, you know, uh, certain things that I could actually look at, some old tools, maybe some old golf clubs. I wasn't going to buy any of them, but they were interesting to look at. I even found the VCR section, which no one has a VCR anymore, but if you want VCR tapes, you go to a junk shop. They're there, right? And I could kind of go through all the films of my childhood and be like, no way, stand by me. That was a great movie. Anyway. And I'm standing there, and, and, uh, and Eleanor just comes up to me, and she puts her hand on my arm, and she says, Babe, uh, thank you so much you know, for coming in here. You know, I, I know you've been in a lot of these today. Tell you what, why don't you go out to the car? I know we got the sports section in the Tampa Times, and, and you can just sit there and read that, maybe listen to sports radio. I'll be done here in five minutes. Uh, but, but you can just go out there. And some of you are like, as fellas, you'd be like, Oh, I was waiting for you to say this. Uh, uh, and I kind of was. But... Uh, <laughs> But I walked out to that car, and I felt this, um, this connection with Eleanor that I hadn't always felt in our relationship together, because I felt like I had done something for her without condition. I hadn't sought to win or recover or uh, bank anything, and, and uh, I received from my wife in that little gesture of, hey, babe, you want to go sit in the car? That was just pure um, reciprocal love and servitude, and, and desire to hupatasso so that I could go forward. And, and it's amazing in, in marriage and in relationships of all kinds, but especially in marriages, when, when people get to the point where they're truly looking out for the other one and they're interested in their betterment over their own, how that just takes things to a level that a lot of marriages unfortunately never experience because it's always about, you know, either the physical early on or the... Or the um, you know, well, just the, the, the diminished earthly form of marriage, me getting what I want. Husbands, if you want to be um, like Christ in your marriage, do for her without condition. Sacrifice for her as an act of humility and worship. Honor her, seeking nothing in return. And watch what God, what God does in blessing that marriage. Maybe less obvious than the uh, obvious dying to self, you know, giving yourself up uh, uh, vernacular there is, is, is some of the other things too. One of the ways that Jesus gave himself to the church was through prayer. I, I, I love reading the stories of Jesus, you know, having to pull away from the disciples for a time. He'd, he'd go off to be alone with his father early in the morning or uh, and, and, and I don't have transcripts of what went on in those uh, quiet times. I'd love to have those. Would anybody like to know what Jesus and the, and the Father spoke about in those times when he was away? I bet you was rich, right? You know, uh, just a, a, a deep and meaningful communication between Father and Son. But if I, I, I go by his other prayers that Jesus prayed that we have on record, like the one in John 17 where Jesus is about to be crucified. He's out in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, he, he's praying. He's talking to the Father. We have that one on record. Does anybody know what he prayed? He, he prayed, first of all, Father, if, if this cup can be you know, removed from me, if, if, if you could pass this you know, whole thing away from me, that, that, that'd be great. But not my will, but yours be done. Anybody remember Jesus saying that? Yeah, it's a huge part of our faith. Not our will, but God's be done. Uh, but, but then he goes on, and the rest of the prayer, probably two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the prayer, you know what he prays for? His peeps. His people. He prays for them. That in the same way he and the Father are one, that they and he would be one. And, and he, he just, he prays this beautiful prayer, but he prays for the church. If the church is Jesus' bride as the bridegroom, and, and, and we as husbands are like Jesus to our wives, 
who are the church, then, fellas, we should be praying for our wives. And not just, you know, uh, uh, at dinner time, you know, the quick blessing so you can get to the pork. Uh, not just as a, as a quick goodbye in the morning so that you can kind of cross that off your list, but I'm, I'm talking about fervent, passionate, deep, loving prayers for your wife. One of, the best, one of the, ways, the best ways you can say I love you to your wife as a Christian is how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I know you tell her you love her all the time. Keep doing that. That's awesome. But you want to take love up a level? Pray for that woman. Ask her how you can pray for her. And then when she tells you, pray for her right then. Her, her brain will just go... <laughs> because as, as brothers and sisters in Christ who have been brought together in marriage, that's one of the greatest ways for you to say, I love you. Ladies, keep your elbows down. <laughs> Another way that Christ... Uh, um, gave of himself and still gives of himself to the church is he, uh, he spends time with us. I don't want to be overly broad here, but isn't it great that we have a Savior who's interested in us? Like, isn't it great that Christianity is the religion of relationship? All the other religions are a bunch of hoops to jump through and, and, and boxes to scratch off, but we get to enter into relationship with Christ, and Christ wants to know us and be known by us, and, and, and so we have this beautiful relationship, this, this abiding, it says in John 15, that we abide in him and he abides in us, that he's the vine, that we're the branches. There's this connection relationally that we're meant to have with Christ as his bride. And so it's no wonder then that if we're meant to be Christ to our bride's husbands, uh, we're meant to give them ourselves, our relationship, not just our checkbooks, not just the roof and the three squares that they have every day. Uh, that's been the American ethic. As long as I provide for my family, that's enough. No. Do that, but give her your heart. Give her your mind. Give her your words. Give her your time. One of the first things that goes in marriage is, uh, is, is, is romance and dating and, and being careful with each other to spend time and to nurture each other as boyfriend, girlfriend. We say that in front of our kids all the time as we mug down in front of them and they get all like, oh, get a room. We, uh, I'll totally do that. It's totally great. Anyway, uh, we tell our kids, this is my girlfriend. It's my boyfriend. I'm still very hot for her. And she's still very hot for me. And we have that, some of you are like, oh, too much. <laughs> but we have that side of our relationship. And it comes from spending time seeing each other that way. This uh, Midwestern farmer had kind of uh, just um, um, shifted into his role as provider, and uh, he hadn't spent a whole lot of time with his wife. And so he and his wife were sleeping one night when a hurricane, or a hurricane, that wasn't in the Midwest, tornado. Uh, came over uh, their, their property and it actually ripped the roof off of their house and sucked their bed with them in it right up into the funnel cloud. And the wife starts crying uncontrollably and this guy's just a very, you know, stiff-lipped, hard man. And he says, honey, this is not the time for tears. We need to make it through this storm. And she says, oh, honey, I just can't help it. I'm so happy. And he's like, what are you talking about? She says, you haven't taken me out of the house for the last 20 years. <laughs> It was in a book I read. I thought I'd try it. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, listen, when it comes to our, our model, our template, it's not our dads. I hope you had a good dad who loved his wife well, but, but go beyond him. A lot of us didn't have good dads who didn't love their wives well, okay? So let's not leave it here on earth for our template, fellas. Let's go to our heavens. Let's go to our Father and his Son, Jesus. As Christ is to the church, so we are to our wives. We love our wives sacrificially. We don't stop there. We love our lives with, uh, love our lives, love our wives with sanctifying love because this is where he goes next. Look what it says in the next verse. Um, Love uh, your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, And here's why Christ did that, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. I'll, I'll confess, the first time I read this in Bible school, I was like, what? Anybody ever read something in the Bible and you've been like, okay, I get the whole give yourself up thing, but this got weird. What are you talking about here, right? So let's talk about it. The first thing, as, uh, as, the, as the listeners in Ephesus would have probably done, is they would go straight to the analogy that Paul was making, which was first century marriage, okay? Basically, sanctify here is a word that means to, in some senses, to purify, to make holy, to make more righteous, but also means to set apart. And so in marriage, uh, everybody would understand that a woman, especially in those days as they were arranged marriages, would be set apart for a man by her parents and by his parents. There would be a wedding day set, and then that wedding day would come, and she would actually, as part of her procedures, uh, experience in a Hebrew wedding, especially a special washing, a cleansing, a preparation for marriage. She would be uh, clothed in wedding garments without spot or wrinkle, that she might be uh, presented to her husband holy and without blemish. Sounds a lot like our weddings, right? Like the girl finds a white dress, you know, it's perfectly white, you know, without spot or blemish, usually. That's how it works. Uh, the weddings I've done, the guys are done getting dressed in 10 minutes. The girls, we might be a little longer, right? Because everything's got to get ready. And I don't know that uh, attendants bathe the brides anymore, but certainly they get them ready. Every hair in place, every nail polished, every, uh, you know, lipstick, lipstick smudged or whatever, blotted, whatever you guys do. Anyway, uh, and then she walks, she, she hits the aisle, right? She walks down this, this aisle to her groom, perfect. As beautiful as she's ever been, maybe as beautiful as she'll ever be. Probably not, fellas, don't say that to her. <laughs> and she, she, she's set apart and given to her husband. Uh, but that, that's where they might start, but they would quickly say, oh, but we've been talking through this whole letter about the church, and so how does this pertain to the church? Well, Christ loved the church, that he might sanctify her, set her, us, the church, apart, uh, having cleansed her by the washing of the water. Some scholars think that means baptism. That's kind of the easy, you know, one-off. But others think that the washing of water here isn't baptism. It's just we we have been cleansed, scrubbed by our understanding of the word. As we've grown up to understand who God is by his word and what the things uh, he wants us to know they are, we've we've grown in our set-apartedness so that eventually at the end of our lives we might be presented uh, to Christ uh, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, uh, or any such thing, that, that, that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish. So we're in this process after salvation. Anybody here become a Christian by faith in Christ? Anybody done that? What a bummer. Our church has like 20 Christians in it. Okay, uh, I'm guessing more of you are Christians. But that was salvation. The process that you're experiencing now is called sanctification. You're becoming uh, like Christ in your relationship with him. Ultimately, you're either going to die or Jesus is going to come back, and that's our glorification. And we as the bride of Christ, the collective, the church of Christ, we will be presented to Christ holy, 
without blemish on that day. Lord Jesus, come. Let's get out of here. Anybody with me? All right. So they'd, they'd go there, but, but what's the context of this whole instruction? Well, it's marriage, and so they've got to they gotta do that work here too. So let's talk about husbands being like Christ and the, and the wife being like the body. And plug that in. Uh, we as husbands uh, should give of ourselves sacrificially to our wives that we might sanctify her, set her apart, spiritually speaking, uh, seeing her cleansed by the washing of the water of the word, her growing in her own faith. Uh, so that we as husbands might present our wives to Christ in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, that our wives might be holy and without blemish. Here's what that says, fellas. You're the spiritual leader, thermostat, tone setter in your home. You're meant to be um, not the priest, not the boss, not the spiritual say-so, but the spiritual nurturer of everybody who God gives you in your house. You're meant to feed your wife, encourage your wife. And here's what, I, here's, what, here's what happens all the time. The wives are the Christians in the Christian house. And I'm not going to stare at anybody in specific because I don't know who you are as a dude and how you're living with your wife. But if you're leaving all the Christian stuff to her uh, and you're a Christian, you're completely ab- abdicating. You're, you're leaving behind the parts of you that God designed you to be as a husband in your house. Don't leave all the spiritual stuff to her. That's why I tell you to sing. Don't miss out on the opportunities to be the Christian that God wants you to be because you're just counting on her to do the Jesus stuff. Now, wives, I know you want him to lead, but please don't badger him into leading you. He won't. He won't do it. But you pray for that man to grow in his own relationship with Christ to the point where he becomes as Christ is to the church in your home where he becomes the nurturer of you and your kids to know and follow after Jesus. How does a husband love his bride towards sanctification? I already started. Grow up in Christ in your own life. Figure it out. Join life groups, fellas. I got a a life group of like 20 guys meeting in Cracker Barrel. And I I love those guys. We have a great time. We laugh and joke. But here's what I love most about those dudes that show up at 7 o'clock on a Thursday morning. They're there because they want to do their business with their God. They want to sort this stuff out. Sure, they want to hang out. We're not a, we're not a lovey-feely kind of group. We meet for an hour, we talk about Jesus, we go home. So if they get the lovey-feely stuff, that happens in between. I don't know where it happens. It's not while I'm there. That's horrible. I shouldn't say it that way. Anyway, uh, I love these guys. But what, that sounds horrible. No one's gonna, everybody's going to quit my life group now. Anyway, uh, what I love most about the fact that we're getting together is that once a week, these guys, on top of the other things that they're doing in their Christian life, is that they're saying, you know what, this matters. It matters that I figure out God's word. It matters that I get the accountability from other men who love God. It matters that I grow in my faith. Not just for me, but because I'm a husband whose wife needs him to love Jesus. So that I, as her husband, can be the facilitator, the encourager spiritually in my home. I'm a father whose kids need to see Jesus in me as I raise them or as as they've grown up, as I continue to advise them. You know, my my, my son Ben's off the ranch. You guys know this. You've been praying with him for me. But here's all I ask. God, let Ben see Jesus in me and Eleanor. Let Ben see you even now as I seek to love him so that he seeks to love you. 
See, as, as, as husbands, we have been granted this blessing, this incredible grace to be the spiritual encouragers and protectors of our wives. Encouragers. We can't give what we don't have. Grow up in your faith, fellas, so that you can give your wives things and encourage them. But protectors. Here's, here's you know, so much of, of my marriage with Eleanor is us reminding each other of what we already know. Has anybody noticed that? Like, like marriage, it, it's not like there's this, all these, you know, <laughs> unmined, you know, territories that we have to go into. It's just us remembering God's goddess and we serve him first. And I can't tell you how many times in conversations, whether it's her for me or me for her, we have been each other's protector by saying, hey, hang on, before you go spinning off into some anxious whatever, can we just remember what truth is here? Here's truth. God is God. He's in control. Where we don't know, he does. So let's trust him. And in instilling that truth in our relationship, we, we protect each other from the fears and the, and the lies that so easily come up in this world that we live in. We're just reminding each other of the God we serve and of what he says. Yeah, we, uh, marriage is, is uh, someone said this once, it's not just to make you happy, it's to make you holy. And husbands, you have been given this blessing of being the facilitator of your wife's spiritual flourishing. Take it seriously. And then finally, as we close, um, we are not just to love with sacrificial love and not just to love with sanctifying love, but we are to love with a we are one love. Everybody read these verses with me. Uh, I'll say them, you just read them. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. It goes on and it says this, therefore, quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And just so you know that this was the idea from the beginning, from the very beginning of time, the two shall become one. That, that, that was the, 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 the command or the, the understanding of marriage before sin even came into the world. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, Paul says, and it still is to me. But he's saying, listen, I'm describing, uh, referring to what happens with Christ and his church. So let's, let's understand Christ and his church. Jesus came, dies, rises again, uh, secures salvation for us if we only put our faith in him. And what we learn is, is that we accept Christ into our hearts, Christ comes into us, and that we are grafted into the tree, that we are brought into Christ in our relationship. So it used to be Christ in us, but now it's Christ us. We are one. We are one with Christ, and Christ is one with us. Is everybody with me in the Christian idea? So, if, if the body is the wife and the, and, the, and, and the husband is Christ, then in marriage it's the same deal. The two shall become one. And when marriage doesn't work is when the one becomes two again. See, in marriage, you don't have the individual pronouns anymore. You don't come to your pastor and say, hey, she's got a problem. You come to your pastor and you say, hey, we've been made one and we have a problem and I'm here to do my part in our problem. Are you with me? It's so fundamental, but it is so amazing when you start looking at marriage instead of being two people, 
two checkbooks. You pay these bills. I'll pay these bills. These are your kids. These are your kids. Whatever your situation is, however you're divided, here's the deal. You did not get married so that you could stay two. You got married so that you could become one and live as one. And so it's no wonder that Paul writes to husbands and says, hey, man, treat her like you treat you. Fellas, we are great at treating ourselves pretty good. Right? Like, I'm very sensitive to my needs. I am super good at fulfilling my needs. Like, I don't know what kind of guy you are, but if I want it, I go get it. I mean, within reason. But that's just how I roll, because I am in tune with me. Here's what, here's what Paul's saying. Hey, in the same way that you're in tune with you, be in tune with her, because guess what? She's you, and you're her. You're one. So if you want a theological argument for, uh, argument for sensitivity, it's this. It's the oneness that we have with our wives, fellas. If you're sensitive to you, you've got to learn to be sensitive to her. It's not her problem. It's our problem. You're sensitive. You're, you're attentive. You're careful with her. You're careful with how you talk about her. When you're talking bad about her, you're talking bad about you. What kind of, seriously, Eleanor was told this by her mom, and it goes both ways, ladies. What kind of dummy are you for marrying someone like that? Seriously, if you're going to go talk smack on Facebook or with your girlfriends or your fellas about how you know, she's the worst or he's the worst, how stupid are you for getting with that? And, and, and don't even get me started on, on how unproductive that is. All that's doing is fueling your fire of, of, of uh, acrimony and, and you know, uh, revenge and anger against your spouse. Instead of talking poorly about them, talk kindly about them. Because when you talk kindly and, and graciously and, and, and speak well of your spouse, you're speaking well of you. Because you and she are we. You're one. So one last time, how has God designed marriage to work? Well, he says it in a nice capper here in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife. Husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. And let each wife see that she respects her husband. Put in another way to kind of just truncate. Husbands love, wives respects, marriage works. If we do it the way God designed it, it works. And so let me come to the couch one last time. I'm so grateful that so many couples in here understand their end of the couch and they're holding it and they're ready to move as God leads them and they're ready to give. I'm so grateful for the strength of marriages. I'm looking out at many of you that I've known and loved for 15 years and I know that you're trying as God gives you grace to honor him in these things. Keep doing it. Keep figuring out ways to go further in it. Thank you for being an example to the rest of us on how to love and respect and how to have marriage with the way God designs it. But some of you, you're sitting here and you are firmly planted with your arms folded saying, I'll do this when he does his. I'll, I'll keep up my part when he gets up off the couch and does his part. Uh, why? Why stay there? You're, you're not doing your marriage for him or because of him or in spite of him, you're doing your marriage for God and because of God and for the glory of God. 
And so you serve God and who he's made you to be, husband or wife. And some of you, you're trying, and the other person's still laying there. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for that you don't sit back down, that you keep doing your part. And I trust that God is going to use what you are giving back to him as your worship to change the course of what's going on in your marriage. And let me tell you one last thing. Even if it never changes, know that you're doing what will honor God. And if you're a bride or a husband, you'll stand before him someday and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. So you stand with us, we're going to sing. But before we sing, I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to pray. Lord, a blessing, please, your grace to every marriage represented in here today. I pray that husbands would live out their God-given grace of leading their wives, of loving their wives sacrificially, of serving them, uh, and seeking um, their betterment. I pray that every wife in here uh, would be a, a, a helpmate uh, in lockstep as they uh, encourage and uh, correct uh, in love as they, as they advise and as they offer their opinions uh, in, into the directions of their family. May, may that be um, just who they are and how they function as they seek to submit to you, as they submit to the, the leadership of their husbands in their home. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It's a God thing. It's a glory thing to help uh, us all, whether we are in marriage or a wedding marriage, to live by your design so that you get the glory you deserve from us, and we receive from you the life that you seek to give us. I know it's going to be um, as a result of our surrender, of our submission to you first. And so um, lead us to that, I pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What can I say? And what can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. And what can I say? What can I do? But That's my prayer for you, my prayer for us. 
arms high, hearts abandoned, in awe, souls surrendered. May God give us his grace. Amen? God bless you guys as you go. We'll see you next time.